Heavenly Father, we do pray that you may give us guidance as we look at your word together. Lord, we pray that you may be with me. May you be speaking through me by your Holy Spirit. May you keep error far from my lips. And Lord, we pray that as we look at your word this morning, it may challenge us to address the sins that we struggle with. And that through reading your word together, hearing it preached, we may be more holy in your eyes as a result. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, recently, Jill and myself, a couple of weeks ago, we went on a trip to Canberra. And of course, Canberra is a three-hour journey away from here, and we took the kids with us. Now, whenever you go on a long journey with children in the car, I think you have to make regular stops along the way. And so we stopped at McDonald's on the way down, we stopped at uh, the Big Marino on the back, way back, and we stopped at another McDonald's on the way back as well. We stopped fairly regularly uh, because we had children in the car. Now, why would you do that? Why would you stop regularly just because there's kids in the car? Well, of course, any long journey with children, or even with adults, can start to cause some grumbling. People can start to get a little bit upset, asking, are we there yet? These kinds of questions. And whenever people start to grumble, start to have pain with uh, the long trip, of course, then sin starts to occur as well. Uh, things that are normally not permitted are suddenly seem to be permissible in the back seat of the car because of the length of the journey. And uh, things like spraying water out of drink bottles suddenly becomes a very funny thing to do and not the least scary as to what the parents might do when they find out that the water has been sprayed all around the back seat. Whenever we're on long journeys, difficult long journeys, people tend to grumble. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at the subject of grumbling and grumbling which springs from and results in hard hearts. We've been looking at Hebrews chapter 3. We had a bit of a break for Easter, but we've come back to the subject and we're back to Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7, which is found on page 1185 of the Black Church Bibles if you want to follow along. We're up to Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7 and in the previous weeks if we've looked at the beginning of chapter 3, we've seen quite clearly that Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is superior to Moses. And so if Jesus is superior to Moses, then it would make sense that Jesus' followers should be superior to the, Moses, to the followers of Moses, or at least as good as the followers of Moses. And so that's what we look at in verse 7. It starts to focus on the followers of Moses and how they behaved and how they can be a lesson for us. So the first thing I want to look at this morning is how faithful were Moses' followers during their long trek through the desert? They had a long journey, just like Christians have a long journey before we make it to the promised land, to heaven. The Israelites had this long trek, a hard trek, through the desert. Now how did they respond to this long journey? Well, that brings me to my first main point this morning, the answer to that question. Moses' followers hardened their hearts by grumbling. Moses' followers hardened their hearts by grumbling. We see in verse 7 and 8 their response. They hear God's voice and then they start to harden their hearts and grumble. We see verse 7. So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did, that's the Israelites, in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert. How did these Israelites respond to their long journey? They hardened their hearts. 
What does that mean that they did? How did they harden their hearts? Well, if we actually look at where this quote comes from, because it is a quote in Hebrews chapter 3, the author of Hebrews is not writing this, it comes from Psalm 95, which we read earlier, which Danny opened the service with, Psalm 95. And we actually find out that the words uh, used for rebellion in verse 8 and testing in verse 8, in the original, back in Psalm 95, it had two words there instead, Meribah and Massa. In Psalm 95, we see that it was Meribah and Massa that these disciples, uh, that these Israelites hardened their hearts in. Now, what happened at Meribah and Massa? What are these two locations? Well, they're two specific events, two specific places that happened when the Israelites came out of Egypt and then they grumbled because they lacked something. What was that? It was water. They lacked water. And so we read one of those passages already uh, from Exodus and we saw that the disciples were upset because the water was bitter and so they grumbled because of their suffering in not having water at Meribah. And then again at Massa, a few chapters later, we see in Exodus they grumble again because they don't have water. And so Moses strikes a rock, speaks to the rock, and water comes out. But the grumbling didn't stop at Meribah and Massa. The Israelites grumbled again and again. If you read through Exodus, you read through uh, Numbers, the Israelites are grumbling, grumbling, grumbling. If you do a search for the word grumble in the Old Testament, it comes up many, many times. And that reflects the hardness of heart that the Israelites had. Why is grumbling so bad? Why is hardening of heart so bad? Well, when you grumble against God, what are you saying? When you harden your hearts against God, what are you saying? You're questioning whether the Lord is really with you whether he is really looking after you, whether what he is doing in your life is really from him and whether he really cares about you. You are showing discontent with what God is doing in your life. And when you grumble against him, you are saying, I don't want you as my God because I don't like what you're doing in my life. And so grumbling, hardening of heart is sin. And it's serious sin because you're dismissing God. And that's what we see the Israelites do. They don't just grumble against God, they worship other gods as well. Moses is a long time up on the mountain. What do they do? They make some golden calves. They start to worship other gods because they have hard hearts, because they're grumbling against God. They're saying, this guy's gone for too long, so they start to grumble. We don't know what to do, let's worship other gods instead. Now, is it really that serious a sin? Is it that bad to grumble against God? Maybe these Israelites haven't really been given enough evidence that God is a good God and that God has worked in their lives and done good things for them. Well, the Israelites experienced much blessing from God. They should have known quite clearly that God was a good God and never even thought of grumbling against him. Why? What had God done for them? He'd brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery, where they were oppressed and worked so hard, where even... They practiced um, abortion, well, not abortion, infanticide, where they were forced to kill their children. Their baby boys were being murdered. And God brings them out of Egypt. He showed great blessing to them. And then, of course, in the desert, 
He looks after them again and again. He shows them one blessing after another. He provides them with food. He provides them with water. He provides them with shoes that will not wear out. I mean, imagine if Nike and Adidas could get onto that uh, kind of design that God gives them there in the desert. That's a fantastic blessing. Imagine if you could buy a pair of shoes that didn't wear out for the rest of your life, or at least for 40 years. That's a pretty nice blessing. And that's what the Israelites received. They even got quail. They got their, they got their, um, their bread from heaven, but God didn't just give them bread. He also gave them some quail. I've never eaten quail, but I do like chicken, and I assume it's something similar. God gives these Israelites great blessing. He gives them free food, and who doesn't like free food? Who doesn't want a free lunch? And that's what they were getting. And so it's serious that they grumble against God because he has been so good to them and yet they are still grumbling against him. But maybe they didn't do it for that long. How long did they actually grumble against God? Surely it wasn't that bad. Well, what does the text say? Verse 7 says, So as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert where your fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years saw what I did. Forty years they saw God doing these blessings. Forty years those shoes lasted. Forty years the manna kept on coming down from heaven. Forty years they experienced God's blessing. It was not a short flash-in-the-pan kind of blessing from God. And so when they grumble against God, when he has been so good to them for so long, it is serious sin. It shows seriously hard hearts. And so it is a real problem. So we see the Israelites were not very faithful to their leader, to Moses. How does that apply to you, though? What has this got to say to you? Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning. You mustn't harden your hearts by grumbling. You mustn't harden your hearts by grumbling. You may think that you're not similar to the Israelites, but you are. You have had an exodus from slavery as well. An exodus... From slavery to sin. God has redeemed you from slavery to sin. Not in the same way that he redeemed the Israelites from slavery to the Egyptians, but he has redeemed you. He has brought you out of slavery. He has given you a Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, that sacrifice that is made so that you are passed over so that death doesn't come to you, just like it didn't come to those households of Israel in Egypt. So you do not experience death. You do not have the angel of death come over you and send you for eternal damnation. You have a Passover lamb that is a sacrifice for you, and that Passover lamb, of course, is Jesus Christ. You've had a baptism, just like the Israelites were baptized through the Red Sea. We hear about it in 1 Corinthians 10. Paul calls it a baptism. You've experienced a baptism, a washing. You've had manna, bread from heaven. Not necessarily the same. You haven't had manna show up in your backyard and gather it in and eat it. But you feed on bread from heaven. Who is the bread of heaven? Jesus Christ. He is the one who sustains you and gives you life. You've had water from the rock. Who is the rock? Jesus He is living water. He gives streams of living water through the Holy Spirit to you. And you wander in a wilderness, just like these Israelites wandered in a wilderness, not out in the same desert, but you live in harsh times. 
Being a Christian is not easy. You often lack material wealth, which these Israelites did. You often face persecutions, which they did as other nations gathered around them and wanted to harm them. You face persecutions as a Christian. You're in a wilderness. Things don't go the way you would like them to, just like these Israelites didn't experience things going like the way they wanted them to go. And so you're in a wilderness as well. You're like these Israelites. And so you will also, like these Israelites, face the temptation to harden your hearts and grumble about what is happening in your life. And when you do that, you are rejecting God and his goodness to you. Just like these Hebrews, these early Christians who this letter is written to, were facing persecution and were facing the temptation of falling away and turning to other gods, going back to Judaism rather than worshipping Jesus. You face that same temptation when you grumble, when you harden your heart against God and don't listen to his voice. But is it that bad then when you grumble as a Christian? Surely all Christians grumble and it's not that serious a problem. Yes, just like the Israelites, when you grumble after experiencing blessing from God, it is so serious. God is so good to you and how can you then grumble against him? It's kind of like children. You give them a really lovely day. You take them out. You take them to a theme park or something. You give them ice cream. You give them a nice lunch out. And what do they do at the end of that day? They grumble. They grumble, grumble, grumble. They have a tantrum when they get home. And you think, I've just spent a lovely day with you. I've made you a bit of the centre of attention. We've done things that you wanted to do. I really didn't want to go there. I didn't, you know, the park is interesting, but um, only for a short amount of time, and the play equipment amuses me at, not at all. But we went there for you, and now this is the way you behave. And that's what you're doing when you grumble about things that are happening in your life. The fact that you're in, you know, the conditions that you're living in. After God has been so good to you, he has redeemed you from slavery to sin. He has given you eternal life. You have this wonderful paradise to look forward to. And then he gives you many other blessings. Most of the time you won't worry about where your food is coming from. Just like the Israelites didn't worry about where their food was coming from. You live in a blessed country in Australia. You do have shoes that do last. You have clothes to put on, just like these Israelites had clothes. You have water to drink. Just like these Israelites were given water to drink. You've experienced so many blessings from God. And so it's so serious when you grumble about little things that bother you, that God has put into your life. They are still serious. They're, they're not pleasant things to experience. But you've got to learn not to grumble because of what God has done for you. But then you may say, oh, but he hasn't done much for me over that long a period. You know, these Israelites experienced blessings of 40 years. It's not been the case for me. Well, maybe that is true because you haven't lived for 40 years. You're under the age of 40. Well, yes, then, yes, you haven't experienced the same sort of blessing over the same period that the Israelites did. But if you're over the age of 40 or on the age of 40, then you have. God has been blessing you ever since you came into the world. And so it is very serious if you start to grumble against him. So you mustn't. God has been so good to you and for such a long period of time. You mustn't grumble with a hard heart as a Christian. 
Because when you grumble, you're committing serious sin. You're showing disdain for God and the goodness that he has shown you. And you're starting to say, I wish I had another God. I, had a, I wish I had a God who treated me better than the God that I do serve. You're grumbling against him. So how do you keep your heart soft and not grumble? Hopefully I've convinced you that you shouldn't grumble, that you shouldn't have a hard heart. How do you soften your heart? Well, that's my third main point this morning. Soften your heart by repentance, faith and obedience. You need to listen to God and do what he says. And what does he tell you to do? Repent, believe and obey. Repent, believe and obey. You firstly then need to repent of your hardened heart and your grumbling against God again and again in the past. You're discontent with what God is doing in your life. Admit you are a grumbler. Do you admit that you're a grumbler? Are you somebody that grumbles? Let me ask you a few questions if you don't think you are. Do you grumble that your Christian life is so hard? That it's so hard being a Christian and it'd be so much easier if I wasn't a Christian? Do you grumble that your body isn't behaving the way you'd like it to? That things that you used to be able to do, you can no longer do and so you're constantly grumbling about the pain that you're experiencing in your body and that your body is getting older and that you can't do what you used to do. I often like to grumble that I can't eat like I used to. I used to be able to eat whatever I wanted and to continue eating it all day. I used to, on Easter, spend large portion of the day eating chocolate and eat pretty much little else. I can't do that anymore. I get heartburn. My body reacts against it. I feel queasy in the head. I never used to experience that as a kid. My body is changing and it's easy to grumble about the changes that are happening in my body as though somehow God is being unfair in causing heartburn when I eat too much chocolate. I've got to address my grumbling about the body that God has given me. Do you grumble about your environment? What the, the place that you live in? That is not what you would like it to be. You see pictures of other people's homes and you'd much rather be in their home than the place that you live in, that God has blessed you with. You grumble about your living conditions. You grumble about your working conditions. How could anyone work in a place like this? It's a shocking place to work. You grumble about what God has given you as a job. You grumble about others not treating you the way they should treat you. This might be friends, that they're not good friends, and so you grumble about them. You grumble about parents. You grumble about your children. My children are just not the way I would like them to be. And so you're constantly grumbling about them. Or you grumble about your husband or your wife. They're not what you signed up for on that day that you signed your marriage certificate. And so you grumble, 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 showing a hard heart that you don't like the spouse that God has blessed you with. Maybe you grumble about your church. Now your church isn't what you'd like it to be. There's many things at church that you don't like. Is that what you grumble about? Maybe none of those questions you've answered yes to. If that's the case, you think that you're not a grumbler at all, then one last thing you should do. Ask someone close to you. If you're married, that's your spouse. If you're not married, ask a near relative, parent or child. Ask them, do you think I grumble? Do you see anything that I grumble about? Ask them. And they, I'm sure, will be able to find something for you 
to address, some way that you're discontented with what God has given you. You are not satisfied with what God is doing in your life. So firstly, repent of your grumbling. Admit you are a grumbler, as I think everybody in this room needs to admit, even the little children. You see them grumble. Even from a very young age, they start to grumble, grumble, grumble. We all grumble and are unhappy with the life that God has given us. We need to repent of that, admit we're grumblers, and say we're sorry to God. And then what are we meant to do? We're meant to believe. Repentance and faith are commanded by Scripture. What does belief have to do with grumbling? We're meant to believe that our grumbling is satisfied. The sin of grumbling has been paid for in Jesus Christ. We need to trust that Jesus is capable of paying for your grumbling. Jesus is the one who has experienced what we experience as well. He has passed through a wilderness. He came into this world. It's not as though God doesn't know what we experience here in this wilderness. The persecutions we face, the physical pain we face, the the hunger, the thirst. I mean, Jesus out in the desert, tempted by Satan, with nothing to eat. He knows what it is to not have food. But did Jesus grumble? Jesus knows what it is to be in severe suffering and pain. Did Jesus grumble? Did he take himself off the cross? No. He did not grumble. And so he knows what we experience. And his non-grumbling life can be given to us. At the cross, that is what happens. A great exchange takes place. All our grumbling and unrighteousness is put over to Christ and Christ's non-grumbling righteousness is put over to us. And we need that if we're to be acceptable before God. We need to repent of our sins but then believe that Jesus has paid for that grumbling and has given us his non-grumbling life. We need that if we're to be acceptable to God. So that's what we need to do. We need to repent. We need to believe. Thirdly, then, you're meant to listen to the voice of Jesus and obey it. It says here in verse 7, So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Listen to God's voice and obey it when you hear it. The scripture is a way of hearing God's voice. It is the way of hearing God's voice. When you read the scriptures, you listen to his voice and you're supposed to obey it. But you hear God's voice in other ways. You hear God's voice in your own conscience. A conscience is a very valuable thing. It tells you, no, you shouldn't be grumbling about that. You should listen to that conscience. You should listen to others. I've encouraged you to ask someone close to you whether you're a grumbler. Listen to that person when they tell you that you are. It's the voice of God. When you are confronted about a sin... It is God using someone to come along and speak to you. It is the voice of God. Not in the same way that the voice of God is in the scripture, but God uses people to confront us about our sin. He commands us to confront others about their sin. And so listen and obey when people speak to you. And then also listen to the things that God has done for you. In the scriptures, don't just listen to his commands and obey it. Listen to the things that God has done in saving you. Meditate upon what the cross is and meditate upon it by reading about the cross in the scriptures. Is a great source of overcoming the grumbling that's in your life. So when should you do this, though? When should you repent? 
believe and obey? Should you leave it off for another day? You recognise you're a grumbler, but it's all too hard. What does the scripture say here? Verse 7, so as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice. And let me tell you right now, you're hearing his voice right now. As I read it out, you're hearing it. So now is the time that you're hearing his voice. So now is the time that you do what says in verse 8? Do not harden your hearts. Don't harden your hearts. Do it now. Particularly if you're not a Christian, it is imperative that you do it now. It is of great importance that you repent of your grumbling in the past and that you believe that Jesus paid for your sins. Do it now. But if you are a Christian, you need to work on your grumbling today as well. You may have worked on it in the past, but it slips back in if you don't watch out. You need to work on your grumbling. Work at what those things are that you're discontented with in your life. What are the things that cause you grief and that you're unhappy about? Recognize that it makes God very unhappy when you're discontented with what he has given you. Work on it today. Now, of course, none of this is to say that the things that we experience in this life are not necessarily painful things. Yes, persecution is painful. Our bodies getting old is painful. I don't like heartburn after I've eaten a lot of chocolate. It is painful. We do experience real pain, but the The thing that God wants us to do is not grumble about that pain. Not be dissatisfied with him and think that we should worship something else because of the real pain that we're experiencing now. Because when you experience pain, you're experiencing a test from God. That's how God describes what he did to the Israelites by putting them in the desert. It wasn't a pleasant place for him to put them, but he was testing them. It says, uh, verse... We'll start from verse 7 again. So as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert. He was testing them. And so whenever you experience hardship, whenever you experience something that causes you to want to grumble, recognize that this is a test from God. And you've got two options. One, you can grumble. Or the other option is you can simply trust that this is God working in your life for your good and you accept it from him without complaining. You accept that that's what he wants you to experience right now and that you're not supposed to grumble. Instead, you're meant to simply accept it, as painful as it may be, but you're meant to accept it. So how are you when you experience a test from God, a particular pain, something that troubles you, living conditions, people that really get on your nerves, things about your body that you don't like, How do you respond in those testing situations? With grumbling and rejection of God? Or with continued trust and a softening of your heart as you listen to God's voice and do what is right? Let us speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word and how it knows us so well. It knows how hard our hearts are and how much we love to grumble that people have been doing this right back to the Exodus and before. And we still do it today. The Hebrew Christians did it in the early church and we still love to harden our hearts and grumble against you in the tests that you give us. Lord, we pray that when we experience pain, when we experience irritations in our life, 
that cause us to want to grumble, that cause us to want to be discontented with what you have blessed us with. Lord, we pray that we may remember how serious it is to grumble when you have been so immensely good to us. And for so long, some of us here have had your blessing for decade after decade, and yet we still want to grumble against you. Lord, we pray that we may always trust that even in times of pain, that you are working for our good and not grumble against you. And we pray that we may overcome our grumbling by repentance, trust in Jesus to pay for our grumbling sin and obedience. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.